Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. I haven't sung that hymn in a while. It's a good one. It's a good one. Well, as we begin this morning, let's open the, we're going to start in the Word. Let's open to John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 to 8 together as we start John chapter 15. This will be the passage that we're going to walk through today, and we have a few things that we want to explore together. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. Jesus tells us this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. Is that what your relationship with Jesus looks like? Are you connected to the vine? Are you held by the vine? Are you fed by the vine? Or are you hanging around near the vine? Is the vine your source of life? We're coming to the end of our Kingdom Stories series, coming up to the Easter season here in a couple of weeks. We're going to walk through that very familiar story. We're going to start with the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, looking at the crowds that celebrated Jesus, praising and worshiping Him, but not understanding what He had come to do. And when He wasn't, what they wanted, they turned on him. And then we'll come to the complicatedly named Good Friday, walking through the Last Supper and Jesus walking his disciples through that most confusing and terrifying night of their life, leading up to the cross on that hill surrounded by criminals, where he paid for our sin. But it wasn't the end. And on Easter Sunday morning, we celebrate the most wonderful, powerful, profound moment in history, the resurrection of Jesus, where he rose from the dead and conquered sin and death forever and ever Amen. It's a wonderful season. 
an amazing journey that we make every year together. And God is going to speak amazing things to us this year, as he always does. It's exciting. But on our journey there, as we explore what it means to walk intimately with our God, we have been looking at the stories of the kingdom that Jesus told us to try to help us understand who and what God is and what we are and what all of this is supposed to be. The stories and teachings and metaphors that he gave us to help us see what he saw. To help us understand what Jesus understood. To reveal truth to us. Real truth, profound truth, eternal truth. We are spiritual beings. And this is a spiritual reality. And what we see all around us on the surface isn't truly what is going on. There is a depth And a mystery to our lives and our world that if we're not paying attention, we won't see it. Jesus did. He saw that reality clearly. When he was looking at people, he saw something different than I do. And when he tried to point it out, and especially when he expressed that reality in the miracles and incredible things he did, people got very excited and very confused and very angry. The reality of the kingdom has an automatic, profound impact when it comes into contact with what we think is normal life because it's so real and so powerful and yet somehow we completely miss it if we're not paying attention. So Jesus told us stories, parables, to help us see, to help us understand that as we meditate on his words and our hearts become tuned to this reality that he's describing that things are different than we think. People are different than we assume. Life is different than I live it. Our world is different than we walk through it. Some of those parables were were stories like the Good Samaritan or the prodigal, Prodigal Son or the Wise and Foolish Builders. Stories that capture the heart of God in the and the power of His love in the characters and the things that are happening in them. Some of them were simpler metaphors: the mustard seed, the wine and the wineskins, the lamp on the lampstand. Metaphors that try to translate this powerful and mysterious reality to our normal life. They describe the kingdom to us. His father to us. And what all of this is supposed to be. 
But as we approach the Easter season for this last couple of weeks, we're going to look at a couple of things that Jesus told us about himself. Where he tried to describe to us what he is, what he came to do, what he means for us. And what he is offering to us in himself. These aren't normally considered parables per se, but they are metaphors and pictures that Jesus uses to try to help us understand just the same. In the Gospel of John, he records seven I am statements of Jesus. I think it's eight, but I'm not going to argue with scholars for many, many years with big, thick books that are important. But he says it eight times. There's, anyways, there's seven times officially that Jesus uses I am statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus is trying to lay out for us exactly who he is. And as we approach the cross, we're going to walk through two of these statements where Jesus describes for us the power and depth of what God truly desires in inviting us to walk intimately with him. What life with Jesus is supposed to be like. And this week, we're going to come to this passage in John chapter 15. The vine and the branches where Jesus is describing to us the kind of relationship he wants to have with us, the kind that we were meant to have, what we were created for, and the consequences and the cost of ignoring or denying what he has invited us into. The Gospel of John is is divided into two halves. The first 12 chapters cover 99% of Jesus' life and ministry. And then in the second half, after chapter 12, it focuses entirely on the last week of his life. After he raises Lazarus from the dead, foreshadowing his own resurrection, he goes to Bethany where he is anointed by Mary and he begins his journey through this last week up to the Passover festival and his crucifixion. The entire second half of this gospel covers just these few days. And it shows us just how intense that time was. And just how serious Jesus was with with trying to get his disciples to see. So much of that last 12 chapters is teaching. You go in your Bible and there's a ton of red in that part of that gospel. Jesus is almost desperate for his followers to understand what's about to happen and what he's trying to do. He wants them to see what he was forming them to be because in just a few days, they were going to be the church. The teaching of prayer that Jesus gives us in these chapters is absolutely monumental. He washes his disciples' feet, God incarnate, washing their feet. He promises the Holy Spirit and the things that the Spirit would teach them and do. 
He tells them about eternity. He describes the nature of his relationship with his father and with us. It's incredible. It's overwhelming. It's amazing. And here in this passage, he describes to them, to to us, just how close he means to be. Even though he's going to leave them, he wants them to understand that he is going to be closer to them than they can imagine. He wants them to be connected to him in a way deeper than they can understand. But he begins with a warning. I am the true vine, he says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. Why would he start this metaphor here? He's about to lead his disciples out to the garden of Gethsemane. The verse right before this passage They have stood up from the table and they're leaving. And he says, come now, let us leave. This is the end. He's going to pray and to be betrayed. Their last moments together. And now he turns around and he continues his teaching suddenly. Why this? Why now? Because what they're about to see is worldly conflict. And the expectation the Jews had for their Messiah is a a worldly king reestablishing the throne of David, overthrowing the Romans, and that's not what's about to happen. And Jesus is telling them that what is about to occur isn't about declaring allegiance or political power. It's about the kingdom bearing fruit In your life. And the spirit of God continuing to work. He doesn't want their defense. For them to throw away what he's taught them and go to war. He wants them to let the kingdom and the spirit continue to work in their heart. To bear fruit. Not hate. He wants them to remain faithful. Just as he says. Verse 3 he says. You are already clean. Because of the word. I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Again, he is asking them to trust him. What they have seen and heard, it was real. It really happened. And it really meant something. So trust me. 
You can't do what you've prepared, I've prepared you to do if you walk away, if you try to do it on your own. And he had to remind them of this, to reinforce this in their minds because he was about to leave them physically and he wants them to understand that they still need him and that he will still be with them. This is the key. This is the core. This is the foundation. Jesus is alive. And he is here. And we need him. And so we come to the center of it in verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And if we remain in him, and he remains in us, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. This is it. This is the verse. This is everything. Do we really believe that? And more importantly, do we live it? A number of years ago, I read a book by Andrew Murray, an old dead guy. I love old dead guys. They write such good books. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's 31 chapters, and you can kind of use it as a daily devotional thing, but I've found it's a little too heavy duty to read a chapter a day. I need to to ruminate a little bit more on it, but... It's a powerful reminder of the truth and the impact of this passage. I've given this book out tons of times and encouraged many people to read it. Abide in Christ, Andrew Murray. Check it out. I don't get any affiliate link or anything like that. So, I think you should read it too. But in this book, Murray explores these very verses. And he asks this question, what does it mean to abide with Christ, to remain in him? He points that out in, in our spiritual journey. We so often feel like we come close to Jesus and then we kind of fall away. And then we come close and then we get complacent and selfish and we fall away back and forth, back and forth. And he asks, why? Can't we stay with him? Can we trust him to hold us close? And the reality is that it's a complicated question, but a lot of times it comes down to the fact that I don't know if I believe that's possible. Because I feel like that closeness, that relationship depends on me. My effort, my choices, my discipline. And I don't think Jesus can hold me there. But the branch doesn't hold on to the vine. 
The vine is holding on to the branch, feeding the branch, providing everything it needs. And Jesus is far more than a simple plant. He is the true vine, the eternal, everlasting, almighty source of life and hope and truth. He is everything. He is more than enough. And if I will trust and submit, he will hold me. He is strong enough. I'd like to read just a small portion of this book where he's exploring this. And he's speaking to people that have come to follow Jesus and have found over time that their relationship has, it feels like it's faded. And the excitement they had at the beginning has slipped. He says, it is to you who have heard and hearkened to the call, come unto me, that this new invitation comes, abide in me. The message comes from the same loving Savior. You doubtless have never regretted having come at his call. You experienced that his word was truth. He fulfilled all his promises. He made you partakers of the blessings and the joy of his love. Was not his welcome most hearty? His pardon full and free. His love most sweet and precious. More than once at your first coming to him, you had reason to say, the half was not told me. And yet, you have had to complain of disappointment. As time went on, your expectations were not realized. The blessings you once enjoyed were lost. The love and joy of your first meeting with your Savior, instead of deepening, have become faint and feeble. And often you have wondered what the reason could be that with such a Savior, so mighty and so loving, your experience of salvation could not have been a fuller one. The answer is very simple. You wandered from him. The blessings he bestows are all connected with his command, come unto me, and are only to be enjoyed in close relationship with him. You either did not fully understand or did not rightly remember that the call meant, come to me and stay with me. Come to me and stay with me. And then further to trust that when we stay, he will provide everything we need. Just like the vine does for the branch. Jesus was telling this to his disciples on the night that he was about to be crucified. That he was going to leave them. Because he needed them to understand 
that what was going to happen was not the end, but was only the beginning. That the life he had invited them into, in calling them to follow, was meant to be forever. was meant to be deeper than they had yet understood. They had begun to bear some fruit. As he had walked with them, the change had begun and God was going to continue to prune them and prepare them because through them, he was going to begin a work more mighty and incredible than anything the world had ever seen. He was going to establish his church to be his presence on earth, stretching through thousands of years and billions of people if they would remain, if they would trust him to be enough, to let him hold them, to be their life. He is the vine. You are the branches. Do we feel like we are connected to him like that? That we are close to him like that? That our very source and life and existence is dependent upon him like that? Do you trust him to hold on to you? And do you trust that what he provides will be enough? Or do we need to try to take that control back and run our own life with just a little help from him? Because that's not going to work. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is everything. And he is more than enough. Do you trust him? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for passages like this. Even as we struggle to understand them and struggle even more to live them, We thank you that you want us to know what this relationship with you is supposed to be like. You want us to understand. You want us to live in that place of such deep connection with you that everything in our life is from you. Everything we have and need and do is from you and by you and for you. Father God, there is this spiritual reality and we are spiritual beings surrounded by spiritual beings and Jesus saw that so clearly. And as we embrace this and understand that he is divine and we need to be connected to him, our eyes will be opened to what you are doing and what the people around us truly are. We will see them like Jesus did. We will love them like Jesus did. And we will produce fruit in our lives that blesses others. So Father God, we pray that you would help us to see that. We pray that you would help us to live that. And we invite you, God, to prune us. 
to cut away the things that are in the way of what you're trying to do, even good things. Things that we want to hold on to and cling to, God, take them away that we can rely only on you and live only for you. But we thank you that you are gracious. We thank you that you are forgiving, that you are merciful, and that by your Son we are free. In Jesus' name, amen.